When I went to school, I learned to read and write. I learned history and math, geography and biology. But I also absorbed a lot of other information and gained experiences that shaped who I am today. I was very active in the student council at my public school, and I was given the opportunity to travel to an international leadership summit where I met the Secretary General of the United Nations, Kofi Annan. This experience had a major influence on the trajectory of my career. I guess there are many other people whose lives and future careers have also been shaped by their time in school. But I'm perfectly aware that not everyone is so lucky. Only 70% of the world's children go to school. The situation worsened during the COVID-19 pandemic, with school closures all over the world. Now there's a need to counter this major setback and secure equal access to quality education for all by 2030. And if we don't, well, then it won't be possible to achieve the majority of the UN Sustainable Development Goals. The Nordic countries are among the largest donors when it comes to supporting global education in low- and middle-income countries. And so it's no surprise that they're among the world's most experienced in securing free public education for their own populations. In this episode, we examine why education should be on top of political agendas. We'll hear about how developing countries could benefit from a similar approach. And we get an idea of how a country like Norway could inspire a country like Colombia. I'm Afton Halloran, and you're listening to the Nordic Talks podcast. I was a teacher for one year. I was not qualified as a teacher. It was the year I finished high school. I worked as a teacher. But what I learned from that is how incredibly difficult it is to be a good teacher and how incredibly important it is to have qualified and good teachers. This is Bård Vegersolje, a former minister of education in Norway. These days, he's the director general of NORAD, the Norwegian Agency for Development Cooperation. When Bård went to school back in the 1980s, there was one particular person that left a lasting impression on him. My teacher in the Norwegian language for three years in high school, and, and he was also our class teacher, he was an important person for me because he made me love the Norwegian language and love writing uh, and reading. And he also used a lot of film and and music and culture in his um, classes. So he got me interested in, in movies, for instance. I think that he was an important part of uh, why I, I really started liking to write. And I have published four non-fiction books, for instance, and, and written, I, I write for several papers and so on. I don't think I would have started to write and to like it if it wasn't for him. The input from the teacher led Bord in the direction of becoming a politician in Norway, with education politics as his main interest. Today, he's still working with education. Only this time, it's at an international level. He shares his passion for education with Gabriele Boucher, who's joining this online Nordic Talks event, arranged by the Danish development organization Oxfam Ibis and the Norwegian embassy in Ethiopia. 
Gabriela is the executive director of Oxfam International, a non-governmental organization fighting inequality to end poverty and injustice globally. She agrees that the time that we spend in school can define our future trajectories. At least that was the case when she was growing up in Colombia. So many things shaped me, but I actually went to a bilingual school and English was an important part of my everyday life and it's shaped my whole life that I can speak that language. And I, it's, um, has opened many doors and allowed me to look into different worlds. So that's something that I am thinking, you know, so many things, but that has shaped a lot. Bord and Gabriela are active in the Global Partnership for Education, the world's largest education fund. Many rich countries contribute to the fund, which focuses on transforming education in lower-income countries. Norway and the other Nordic countries are among the biggest donors to the fund. And we'll find out more about the reasons behind this shortly. But first, let's talk about the consequences of the COVID-19 pandemic and its impact on education systems worldwide. Up until COVID-19, approximately 90% of kids globally went to school. And for a long period, this was turned totally the opposite way around. Like 90% were out of school. And I think still, I mean, one and a half billion learners or something like that is, is still affected around the world. And especially if you're on a continent or in a situation where school hasn't been, it hasn't been the standard for everyone, right? Of course, the, the feeling that it's been taken away Maybe the, maybe the way back is, is much tougher than in, a, in a, a Norway or Sweden where, uh, where we are now. And, and I, I think, I mean, I, I think about it from time to time through my work that, that that's one of the worst things really that's happened because of COVID-19. Gabriela agrees with Bord. In some countries, it's somehow taken for granted, or it was before this last year and a half, you know, education was there. But suddenly it was taken away for 1.7 billion. So that's a huge amount of children who are out of school. There is absolutely no substitute for, for good quality, free and public education so that really children over, all over the world can, can access it. And, and, and we all now have a newfound respect for teachers and, and the huge role in society that they have. So the fact that it was it went away for so many and and the huge danger that it doesn't come back especially for many girls and many girls that we collectively uh, as many organizations achieved much more enrollment of girls and and now with the the situation um, it may be that as as it is so prolonged uh, many may may not come back and that is i think is something that is for me very alarming and i am sure it is for many leaders, but we all need to have this front and center because um, it will be an impact uh, for, for many decades to come. Physical presence in school is very important. For many children and young people around the world, school is the only place where they can expect a meal. And for a lot of students, especially girls, the school grounds provide a safe space. So you can understand why school closures are such a big problem. I think what, what concerns me most um, is the issue of protection. So I remember hearing from a young girl uh, from Sierra Leone who was talking about the confinement, the quarantines um, of the Ebola crisis uh, years ago. And when she told me about that, it was a different world that I, I didn't even imagine, you know, of, of everybody being uh, really um, 
shut uh, in their homes, as we all now have experienced it. But for me at the time, it was something that happened for them at the Ebola crisis. And she told uh, so eloquently about how awful it was that so many of her friends were in fact locked with their abusers and how her friends, uh, she said, you know, the bright uh, friends of hers were teenagers and came out of that um, Ebola lockdown being pregnant and not being allowed back into school. So a very uh, strong experience. And I have remembered her a lot during the time of the pandemic because that experience that she she told so well has probably unfortunately multiplied everywhere in the world. And and somehow we, we need to make sure that in future we find ways to prevent this level of sexual violence and abuse that that has happened. And in the case of Sierra Leone, there was some learning from from that experience at the Ebola crisis. And um, in fact, um, she herself, this girl that I was speaking to, was one of the advocates to ensure that there was, um, that pregnant teenagers were able to continue their education. There was a big shift in Sierra Leone and increasingly in many countries to understand that you you cannot penalize the, the young um, teenager um, who's pregnant and, and on top of, of the, the difficulty that she's now facing, bar her from, from education. So that has changed, for example, in, in Sierra Leone and, and has changed in other countries. But is how we, we ensure that that protective space of, of school is, is preserved at all costs, because unfortunately, the alternative brings too many dangers uh, for too many, especially young girls. As a result of the high cost of the pandemic, education budgets are now being diverted to the public health system and towards economic recovery. The losses that students are incurring from not being in school may never be recovered. And the UN agency responsible for children, UNICEF, has repeatedly called for the reopening of schools. But we also need to think well beyond the pandemic and continue working for better access to education for all. Because access to high-quality primary education is a globally recognized solution to stopping cycles of poverty. Education is often referred to as the great equalizer. It can open the door to jobs, resources, and skills. If all students in low-income countries had just basic reading skills, an estimated 171 million people could escape extreme poverty. And get this, if all adults completed secondary education, we could cut the global poverty rate by more than half. In a country like Norway, education has been prioritized over the last century, and the Nordic region is prosperous because of its well-educated population. It's a positive feedback loop. I have to start by saying that, you know, Norway is not the world. Norway and the Nordic countries are are not typical (laughs) countries in this well, there are some aspects to, to our economies and culture and so on that you can't copy, but, but there are also things to learn. And, and some of the things that we've been able to achieve is not only achieved here. So we, we know some things. And, and of course, you know, um, the, the fact that public schools and education is free, 13 years of education now, actually, also through high school is, mm-hmm. is public and, and uh, with something, something like 98 0.5% going to public schools uh, and that are free is an important part of it, like in other Nordic countries. And like uh, you say, I think we know now also because the experience is shared by any, uh, other countries that countries that have invested at, in an early stage in building a strong quality public education systems 
that has been really linked to economic growth and development. And take South Korea, it's a very different example, it's a very different school system, but still they had a quite strong culture for, for education on a public education system. And, and, you know, grew from being, being at the, the development level of Ghana and Kenya in the 50s and, and is now a, an OECD country with a GDP comparable to, to many European countries. Um, earlier, I think many thought that the Nordic experience showed that, you know, it's good for equality to have a, a welfare state and a public education, but not for productivity and business. I think we also know, know now that that's not correct, actually, that, that having quality public education that's free is also really good because you, you, get, you get to use the whole talent in the population and you educate really a good quality workforce. And thus, Nordic countries have been able to both be quite equal and have high productivity growth the last decades or so. In many countries where there's not enough capacity for providing free public education, there's a tendency to encourage private players to enter the field. This means that children with wealthy parents will have the opportunity to go to a private school, and children from poor families or marginalized parts of society just don't get the same opportunities. Yes, I see there is a tendency to to think uh, that might be the solution for for certain gaps that um, governments uh, find or or families, parents. So, yes, there is that tendency, but we think that this is absolutely not the way to go. And the the northern, the Nordic approach of uh, free public education for all and delivered in a way that that is inclusive is, is the approach that we hopefully can apply everywhere in the world and it makes it it's logical that of course if parents can afford more they demand more but those demands should be taken as something that the state uh, uses to improve systems and to also make sure that um, for this to work there needs to be going back to what i said earlier good um, taxation that means that there is enough resources to invest in education that is really of of, of the right quality uh, for all but um it starts with a strong belief that that is also not only important for your own children, but it is transformative for society. And it, it's, it's an important leap of um, trust and, and solidarity, really, and of understanding of, of the importance of, of that system. So it's investing, and I think many are chronically underfunded. So unfortunately, people are making those decisions of, of going into private education when the gaps are so big in, in quality. And, and it's a concerted effort that needs to bring us back to a free public education for all children, particularly girls uh, who have so often been excluded. In Norway, most citizens trust that the public school system will deliver quality education. This is partially due to the continuous improvements that are being made year after year. We emphasize learning of I mean, social and emotional skills and critical thinking alongside the more foundational skills like reading and writing and, and, and maths and so on. And both are important. This is not to say that it's not important to, to read or write or do math. I mean, it's, it's absolutely 
necessary. But schools are are more than that. They're also a place to to become a citizen and to to build the democratic preparedness and, and more. And I think that has been important. And maybe also the role of the teacher is really really valued. And we have we have a, a strong and good uh, teacher education. Finland is is famous. It was early famous for their five years master's degree for all teachers. This has been developed also now in Norway more and more. And, and I think, you know, the, the, the high focus on the quality of teachers is something that we share with many others, but, but it's important. Uh, let me also add more, one more thing that Gabriella touched upon before. That's of course, that it's that the importance of uh, that it's for both boys and girls. And I mean, I forgot it. It's so obvious in Norway these days, but it wasn't obvious here, and it isn't obvious in many places in the world. And now we see that workforce participation for both men and women is a huge advantage for us as a country. And that grew out, of course, of the fact that everyone received a good education. So when we broke down the cultural barriers everyone was able to be part of uh, the workforce. Gabriela believes that these principles can be applied to other parts of the world. In Colombia, as well as any other country, education is key to achieving social equality. The thinking that has brought the Nordic countries to, to this level of attainment of education and this understanding of the holistic education is, is something that would have such an impact in, in, in unequal countries such as Colombia, but also in, in, in many other countries. So because there is such a segregation in education, so if your parents can pay, and, and in fact, I benefited from that, as I said, I learned English. The majority of, of others in, in Colombia who wouldn't have access to that um, don't have that opportunity. And so certain doors are not open, but primarily we don't meet as, as a society. So this highly unequal education system undermines social cohesion. So there is no opportunity to, to see the perspective from the other and, and to exchange and to feel part of a, of a community in the same way since things are separated from the beginning. So, in, in, and that is the case in, in many countries. So children who are born into rich family schools, to the best possible schools, privately educated, they'll have small class sizes, good teachers, good results. And, and then these, this, students get multiple opportunities to really grow on, on these uh, privileges that they have inherited. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of the spectrum, people are, are completely disadvantaged. And, and as you were touching upon this, even, even in the Nordic context, that can be reproduced. So that's still a challenge to say that the fact of, of, of where your family comes from and the sort of um, income your family has still determines the attainment in school even in such egalitarian systems as the Nordic. So this is still something to to address. Lower-income countries often rely on aid from donor countries to make their public education systems work. But it's not sustainable for nations to rely solely on foreign aid. A permanent funding base is needed, and taxation is the most common way to do this. In a way, it's almost... Obvious, right? In order to fund public education or any, I mean, health, health for that sake, yeah. I mean, you need to mobilize resources, right? You need to fund it. And of course, aid, uh, 
development cooperation can be part of that uh, a global invest private investment but but the main resources over time has to be uh, mobilized in a country uh, by itself and we know that uh, that link is intimately known i think in a country like norway and i think voters know very well that, that there is a link you can have different views i mean less funding but then people know that, that that there's something at the other end of it too uh, and and this i mean this link is really uh, established um and thus of course we have thought you know that an important part of being a development partner is to work with uh, mobilizing resources as well that logic is also mirrored in the work of the norwegian agency for development cooperation the agency often helps developing countries improve their tax systems. For Norway, uh, we are now working. We are working with some partners on establishing an, in the tax systems there, and it could be everything from from uh, technical solutions to working with uh, establishing a good internal auditor for it to how to actually deepen the tax base of the country and so on. But we also, of course, work multilaterally. Uh, with uh, uh, issues like tax havens, uh, with uh, capital flight from countries, a huge, huge problem in re- in domestic resource mobilization. And even though these are different teams in Norad than in Norway, they are connected. Uh, I mean, the work on education is, of course, different than the work on taxation. But but for a country, it's closely connected. You can't provide quality education over time without establishing a safe and resilient funding base. Education is a fundamental human right, but we're lagging behind. Around the world, 260 million children are still not attending school. That's why one of the sustainable development goals is dedicated to ensuring inclusive and quality education and to promote lifelong learning opportunities for all. Board emphasizes the two words he finds the most important about the goal. One of them is quality, and the other is for all. Quality meaning that you actually learn, you understand, you develop skills that you can use in, in the workplace, in, in your life, investing in education, e- even though it's just a few years. I mean, if, if a few years of quality education matters, very few things mean more for development than that, right? It influences almost everything else from... I mean, I, I recently saw a study showing that investing in education for both men and women was one of the most efficient tools for uh, dealing with climate change locally because it makes people understand more what it is to adapt, to implement measures and so on. And it matters for almost everything. And the other part of it, for all, well, in a way, it's always utopic to say for all. It, it's always challenging. But it's, it is possible. I mean, there are quite a few countries in the world now where for all actually means for all. I mean, th- things can happen. Bullying, uh, you, uh, people miss out and so on. But still, it, it's, it's possible to almost get there. And I think it's not utopic. It's a necessary vision, really. Uh, that it's for all. Yes, I agree. Beyond utopia, it's our duty and our commitment to our humanity. Our collective humanity is exercised by 
ensuring, and I see from the perspective of, of the young person, boy, a girl, anywhere in the world, wherever she is, really developing her full potential. It is just unacceptable that because of, of lack of funding and because of uh, all sorts of historical reasons, someone's potential doesn't come into, into play. And, and she loses out and we all lose out uh, because we're not uh, benefiting from, from that perspective. So I think it's, it's what we need to go back to our, our, our basic humanity. And, and in terms of the funding, it is the same. So we, we're all contributors to that common good, which is our collective talent. So our collective talent is amplified by, by everybody's talent developing. So if we believe in it, we invest in it. I know the importance of education firsthand. Despite becoming a successful entrepreneur, my grandfather's only regret in life is not receiving enough education. In the early 1940s, he left school as a young boy to find work. Later, when he had kids, he and my grandmother encouraged them to go far with their education. And that encouragement trickled down to me, too. But the problem is that 30% of children worldwide are still not in school. And many of those who are attending school are not learning enough because of a lack of trained teachers, inadequate learning materials, and the social problems that Gabriele was talking about. The COVID-19 pandemic has made the situation even worse. Equal and fair access to public education is a fundamental human right, one that we must continue to fight for, not just for ourselves, but for every child. Check out NordicTalks.com to learn more about the people that you meet in each episode. I'm Afton Halloran. Thanks for listening. <laughs>